Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me today and for making Next on the Tee a part of your day. We're brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the Bobby Jones Company, Frogger Golf, and our friends at Orange Whip, makers of the Orange Whip Trainer. And folks, if you haven't checked out the Orange Whip yet, you're really going to love it. Help you limber up before your rounds, improve your club head speed, or just really to keep your swing on track this season. If you know it's still cold wherever you are, wherever you're listening to the show, and it's wintertime and you can't get out to the golf course, please go check out the Orange Whip, folks. There isn't a better way to loosen up to prepare yourself for your rounds of golf than by using the Orange Whip. My father, 73 years old, plays five days a week. He's using the Orange Whip to loosen himself up before his, his rounds, and it's helping me stay loose and improve my club head speed. Take a look at what a great training aid it is, and I wouldn't say it if I wasn't using it myself, folks. Go online to see for yourself how great it is at orangewhiptrainer.com. And I'm excited this week to, to let you know and to introduce one of our new partners over at Callaway Golf. And I want to let you know what they have coming up with their Odyssey putters. You know, you know the difference between us, right, and Tour Pros really is pretty much everything. And especially now when it comes to putting. You know, the best putters in the world, they generate top spin at impact. And, and most of us don't. The new O-Works Micro Hinge insert for their Odyssey uh, putters lifts the ball at impact and releases it with an instant top spin on it, regardless of your putting stroke. In short, MicroHinge rolls the ball for you. Their new O-Works MicroHinge insert from Odyssey will be in stores February 17th. Go online to odysseygolf.com to learn more. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and, and I'm really excited about today's show because I get to share one of the game's greatest legends with you, followed by one of the game's top 100 instructors. So first up, I'm going to get a return visit from 15-time winner between the regular Tour Champions Tour and team competitions, including the 1964 PGA Championship, Mr. Bobby Nichols is going to be back with me. Bobby won that 64 PGA by three strokes over both Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. And Bobby had the propensity to rise to the occasion in some of golf's most important and richest, event, richest events at the time. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more when Bobby joins me here in just a few minutes. Following Bobby, one of our regular guests, Top 100 instructor Eric Johnson, is going to be back with me. And among other things, I'm going to get Eric's thoughts on why we're seeing so many more guys start to flirt with 59 now. Is, is technology making the game too easy for them? We'll hear what Eric thinks. Plus, we'll talk about the mental side of the game and how to overcome adversity during our rounds when he joins me a little bit later on in this half hour. So like I said, folks, you know, I'm very excited. We're going to have a lot of fun today, and I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. Like I mentioned a moment ago, we're sponsored by the French Lick Resort, which is an absolutely spectacular place, folks. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of the 2015 Senior, Senior PGA Championship, and they recently hosted the LPGA Legends Championship. Go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great a place it is and to book your stay. And every week here on Next on the Tee, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women that are serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We want to say thank you to all of you to your for your daily sacrifices that you, know, you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank the, our veterans out there for all that you and your families have done for us over the years. It's through all of your strength and your efforts that our way of life continues to be possible. So, folks, I hope you'll join me. If you happen to see a member of our military when you're out and about in your daily lives, wherever you might be, grocery store, restaurant, airport, please stop for a moment and tell those folks thank you. They are our true heroes. 
Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the great folks at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is an honor for us to have Next on the T as a part of your network. Folks, you can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to continue to remind our veterans out there, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. Folks, it is a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information that is specifically geared towards our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. And I also want to send out one more thank you to our good friends over at Podbean for making Next on the T and our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, regularly featured podcast, both on their website and their mobile app. You can see us featured there on their homepage and in their sports and recreation section. We really appreciate the support that they are doing to promote our shows. It means a great deal to us. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, and we hope you're doing it on the Podbean app, and on their app you can get instant updates when we publish any of our, our new episodes. It's free. It has a lot of great features to let you easily discover, listen, and even publish a podcast yourself. Whether you use an Android or an iPhone, Podbean, the Podbean app you know, for your podcasting needs is fantastic. They've got so many great shows across all genres. Go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store so that you can download it. Like I say, it's for free. And we hope you'll check out uh, your favorite podcasts. And two of them, we hope, are Next on the T and Thursday Night Tailgate. Again, podbean.com to find it all. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Mr. Bobby Nichols. Let me give you some more background on Bobby. He's from Louisville, Kentucky, played his college golf at Texas A&M, where he won the Southwest Conference Individual Championship in 1952. He was a Southwest Conference medalist in 1956 and team co-captain in 1958, joined the PGA Tour in 1960. He won 12 times on the regular tour, including the 1964 PGA Championship and three more times on the Champions Tour. When the PGA Championship was played at Valhalla back in 2014, Bobby was honored as a hometown champion by the city of Louisville. And I am both honored and privileged to say that he is back and next on the tee with me this morning. Good morning, Bobby. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Chris. Nice to be here. So, Bobby, before we get into all the golf, I'm curious, you know, as a Texas A&M alumni, I wanted to get your thoughts on your Aggies football season this year. They're coming off a, a third straight eight and five season. Coach Kevin Sumlin you know, has been there for five years now. What are your thoughts? What's your assessment of the Aggies and the job Kevin Sumlin's doing? Well, I think they're very pleased with Kevin. He's uh, he's he has suited an offense that people enjoy, and it's it's uh, an offense that you see mostly in college college football today. And I thank you nothing but pluses for him. So this is uh, they had a good recruiting year this past year. So uh, 2017 should even be better, much better. And Bobby, is, is uh, I was sort of reviewing your life in the game of golf. I read that you started playing at the age of 13, started caddying at the age of nine. And Bobby, I recently had caddy Hall of Famer Dennis Cohn with me here on the show, and he's working on a program to get caddy programs back into golf courses around the country, which sounds to me like a great way to, you know, get more young players introduced to the game of golf. How important was caddying for you in developing your love for the game? Oh, I think it was, it was really a, a plus. Uh, starting out caddying and this sin and the swings each and every day, that's why you learn to swing a golf club naturally. And I, and I never had much of a lesson when I was growing up. But then, of course, when I got a little older in college, and Henry Ransom was at Texas A&M, who played the tour for quite some time back in the 40s and 50s, then they kind of help you out. But uh, there's nothing better than than caddying and being around the game and developing the feel and the swing and 
uh, this a lot of pluses go into to caddy. It's something I think is missed today, for the most part. There are a few of them. I know Chicago always has the uh, Chick Evans Scholarship Fund. They have caddies that when we used to play there in the Western Open, and it, it was really special. And maybe half a dozen or so caddies would get uh, earn scholarships to college. That is, that is really special. And and some clubs have have scholarship uh, awards and things, but it's nothing like it used to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to to replace carts because it, it certainly adds a lot of a lot of players to play in that wouldn't otherwise be able to play if they had to walk. So it's it's tough to not understand that caddies are not are still around, but uh, not as plentiful as they used to be. Uh, the tour, of course, the tours have caddies and do a wonderful job. And heck, some of those caddies are <laughs> make more money than a lot of professionals. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really terrific. <laughs> well, how, how fortunate they are, and, and but they they know it, and uh, I think it's something they enjoy doing. I know I would if I was starting out. I'd love to to go out there and caddy for professionals and that sort of thing, just to stay around the game and. Uh, and then maybe play it professionally yourself. And Bobby, I read that you actually caddied for another prominent Louisville and you know baseball Hall of Famer Pee Wee Reese when you were uh, young. Sh- what was that? What was that sh- like? Yeah, he used to come back, of course, in the off season when he was with Captain uh, of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and uh, he would come back. And, and actually, Pee Wee was a good, good golf, maybe one or two handicap, which is highly unusual. But he was really good, and he. I always ask, well, I shouldn't say always, but I started caddying for him. And then each and every year he came back, he'd ask for me. And I was, when I started caddying for him, I was nine years old, or 10 years old, I guess it was. And I'm pretty excited to be able to caddy for a Hall of Fame ball player like Pee Wee. He was really a nice man, too. And, Bobby, I host a, uh, a football show called Thursday Night Tailgate. And one of our sponsors on that show was Louisville Slugger. And I happened to come across an, an old magazine ad from 1965 featuring you and Louisville Slugger golf clubs. And I had no idea that Louisville Slugger made golf clubs back then. Did you play their, their clubs when you were out on tour? Absolutely. I was with Pyro Built all through the years uh, that I played the tour for longest time up until maybe sometime in the early 80s. And Pyro Built, you know, being uh, making bats, they had wonderful wood. And it was, uh, it, and they made golf clubs. It was very, they were very popular with golf equipment back in those days. And uh, like I say, with uh, making bats and uh, hockey sticks and all the other things they made made out of wood, they hit. Uh, it was very popular because back then that's all we had is wood, wood, uh, woods. And uh, but of course that's kind of been replaced since then. But they they still they still. Uh, make golf clubs and not as much as they used to, but they're mostly into bats, like I say, and hockey sticks and, and things that uh, other, uh, that they need. So wood, the wood woods, uh, kind of taking a back step down. I don't think anybody or maybe a few use them, but, uh, not on the tour. Mm-hmm. So, Bobby, you caddied for Pee Wee Reese. I also read that you were good friends with Paul Horning as well. When did you meet uh, Paul Horning? I uh, was Paul was uh, we were he was a year ahead of me, but we double dated a few times. And uh, well, everybody idolized Paul 
Horning and also the running back at at Flege that played with Paul was uh, Cheryl Sipes, who was a uh, at the at that time he had tied to a he was a nine eight hundred in a hundred yard dash nine nine eight hundred wow. and uh, that that tied the high school record at the time, of course, uh, but that was back in the middle early fifties. So, uh, but anyways, he and Paul. Uh, like I say, he he didn't take up golf, didn't have time, I guess, until after he got uh, into professional golf, I mean professional football, and then he took up the game, and he, he's like a lot of professional athletes that play other sports and all things. They they get into, addicted with golf, and it, 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 uh, it's been a very good uh, diversion for them. And, Bobby, you had a, uh, yeah. a third brush with a legendary sports figure, and that's Bear Bryant. And I read that he actually uh, offered you a scholarship to Texas A&M where he coached before he yeah. went over to Alabama. But he offered you a scholarship, yeah. but it was a football scholarship, I read. How'd that come about? Well, my high school coach, uh, he was a good friend of Bear Bryant's and when I was in high school and playing ball and so forth. And uh, and I got hurt in an automobile accident in my junior, going in my junior year day before practice anyways uh my high school coach like i say he was a play for barrett at uh kentucky and then barrett took the job at texas a&m in 1954 which is year i graduated from high school and uh, my high school coach uh said look uh he knew the coach was going to texas a&m plus he was also not the football coach he was also the athletic director so he said uh, i know bobby came play uh can't play ball but he he's a pretty good golfer he says can you get him on a scholarship coach and call and coach said uh i'll just bring him on i'll put him on a football scholarship because he could do that be as lake director and all other things and back in those days you couldn't get a full ride to any college uh unless it was football or basketball so a half scholarship was kind of the maxed so when he put me on a football scholarship to texas a&m it was a full ride. Everything was taken care of, which was really unique. Uh, I owe the man a lot. Then after, after I got out of college in 58, he went to Alabama. Uh, of course, with the success there, I got to play. He, he, he took up the game, and he was so, liked it so much that he played as often as he possibly could. And then, of course, every time a, a celebrity pro-am would be coming out. He'd always be invited to play, and when he did, he he asked me to play with him, and I must have played with him at least a dozen times in different celebrity programs around the country, and I really got to know Coach on a personal basis, and it was uh, pretty darn special. He he has uh, you know he he kind of directed me when he gave me a scholarship to college. That was really uh, turning around in my my life and. I'll always be I'll be happy for that, that's for sure. And Bobby, I, I read an interesting quote that's been attributed to you. It says, nothing goes down slower than a golf handicap, which is brilliant. When did you coin that? <laughs> oh, I don't recall. Oh, uh, how do you explain that? That's, that's something funny, but I don't remember. That's been so long ago, I don't even remember saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Here, uh, but I was I was fortunate to to uh, back in my career. I was lucky back in I was in the era where you had 
Byron Nelson, he had Sam Steed, he had Jimmy DeMerritt, Jackie Burke, uh, Ben Hogan, uh, all the, uh, you know, really the superstars, even Gene Sarazen playing a little bit back in those days. But what we got to do is got to be with those guys, and they were kind enough to let us play with them, which is highly unusual. And of course, and I mean, you, it's just something that you you uh, very fortunate to have experienced. In fact, uh, I won two tournaments with Mr. Hogan back in '64. How I got to know him prior to that was uh, I worked for Boyd Huff at Midland Country Club in Midland, Texas, while I was going after I got out of college in the service, and then he took me to uh, he he was on the Hogan staff, and Boyd took me to. Uh, Fort Worth, and we'd play play with Mr. Hogan, which was was really special. Anyways, uh, that's how I got to know him. Then I get on the tour, and in '64, I get to play with the final round of the PGA and a one. And then I played with him at uh, World Open at Oakland Hills the same year, and it was the biggest money prize on the tour at that time of sixty grand. So I was uh, lucky enough to play with him again. And a funny thing, we were both staying at a at a, 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 a hotel in uh, Birmingham, Michigan. The, it's called the Radisson Hotel there in Michigan, and we were checking out, and I was living in California at the time in the early 60s, and I went downstairs to check out, and as I was walking down the stairway, he was he was at the counter checking out, and so he finished, and then I walked up, and he saw me, and he turned around, and he looked at me, and he says, you ought to pay me to play with you. <laughs> here, here was the greatest guy, man. Uh, you know, he's absolute well, absolutely probably the top player at the time. Him along with a few others, Nelson Snead and all the rest. But uh, he had uh, he was special, and and he treated me with kindness because throughout the time he'd come back and out and play the tour, he'd look. I mean, I'd always kind of get in his way when he when he showed up to play, and he'd look at me and say, "Get your partner." <laughs> I got to get me a partner and we play, but uh, and he had a game when he play always played, but not always, but almost always played with Jackie Burke. And his game was play a two dollars fairways and two dollars greenies, and then he'd play a five dollar Nassau. That was his game. If you wanted to play with him, you had to that's you had to play that way. So uh, you know when you when you play here with two dollars fairways and two dollars greenies, you better be able to hit just about every fairway and every green if you're going to break even with him. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. I remember one time we played together in it was Oakland Hills in Birmingham, and he said, my friend followed him around, and we were playing at, at, at in a tournament and so forth. And my friend looked at me, he says, you know, that Ben Hogan, he can do more bo- he can do more with a golf ball than a monkey can with a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good way to describe his his play. I mean, he was pretty darn special. And we were fortunate we got to play with Sam Snead. I mean, Jimmy Barrett, Jackie Burke, gosh, uh, going on and on. And then, of course, about college days, I played with Henry Ransom a lot, who won a few tournaments back in the 40s, late 40s and the early 50s and things. Uh, I was very fortunate I was, to be around those type of people and that were – successful in a game of golf and uh uh you know it's something i think uh probably missed today because there's there's so many good players it's just hard to to get a half a dozen or so special players although there are 
today, but not not as easy because there's more good players today, obviously, and and uh, that's a good thing. Bobby, you you mentioned you know all the great names that you just threw out there, guys you got to play with, and you know sort sort of what uh-huh. you, I guess we would we would term the golden age of the game of golf. Were, were you ever, ever intimidated to play with any of them? Well, yeah, you obviously when you first started, uh, well, your first time or so you were, but then. Uh, like I say, most of those players, they appreciated you, and, and you, you communicated with them, and, and they were very receptive. They they helped you in any way they could, and uh, it, it worked out well. You know, back in those days, no one really made a lot of money. So because even those great players that I mentioned, they they were always looking for a job during this golf season or after the golf season to kind of help out with their income because uh, – there just wasn't that much money to be made in those days. It was just incredible. I remember Doug Ford saying back in uh, early, early, his late forties, early fifties, and Mr. Hogan, they had a staff of four players: Doug Ford, I think Chandler Harper, and Mr. Hogan, and uh, maybe it was Kerry Middlecoff. And uh, they were on the committee, and they, and they said, "Well, they wanted to raise the money spots from twenty to." from about 15 places to 20 places. And Mr. Hogan said, no, you don't want to do that. He said, all you're going to do is melt down the money and the players that you want to keep out here can't play anyway. <laughs> so I remember Doug Ford kind of telling me that story and it made a lot of sense because and he, Mr. Hogan didn't want them to spread out the money like that. It wasn't because of this, you know, well, just wasn't that much money to be, be had, but, uh, it was kind of funny. Those, like I say, they all, every one of those uh, super good uh, top players, they all had jobs at a, somewhere at a club, and uh, when they played the tour, to kind of help out with their income. And Bobby, you talk about when you talk about money, right? As I was sort of looking back, right? You won eighteen thousand dollars when you won the PGA Championship in '64. Last week I was right. talking about this with David Graham. You know, he he won uh, he won that same event 15 years later in 1979. He won sixty thousand dollars when he won the PGA. Uh-huh. So, you know, you got about a third, a little less than a third of what David Graham won 15 years later. But you fast forward from your win 54 years to when Jimmy Walker won last year, he got 1.8 million dollars. So in other words, your winner's uh-huh. share was one percent of what Jimmy Walker got for winning that same tournament 54 years later. Can you believe how much purses have grown since you played? No, I, I really can't, Chris. I think it's it's uh, it's really amazing. Uh, no one, I think, could ever predict this. But I guess it's like at every sport. No one ever predicts salaries and stuff again. But it's funny that you, you should bring that up. Uh, when Roy McIlroy won the PGA at Bell Hollow, he won $1.8 million also. And so I uh, – you know, with my 18 grand. So we, he was at the PJ championship dinner. And I said, Roy, I said, you and I have something in common on our, on our, on the persons we wanted to PGA. He said, what's that? I said, well, I won 18 grand and you won 1.8 million. I said, uh, we had the same numbers, but you added a few zeros. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, pretty amazing what it, what it has done and uh i uh you know i i don't i don't regret it one bit i'm very happy i was in there i was in i had a lot of a lot of fun a lot of fun 
And Bobby, just a couple more before we let you go. And uh, we've talked a lot, you know, around the 1964 PGA Championship. You won that wire to wire at Columbus Country Club uh-huh. in Columbus, Ohio, Jack Nicklaus's backyard. You opened that tournament with with a 64, which was the first time anyone had ever shot 64 uh-huh. in a PGA Championship. Uh-huh. And your 271 total still was a record and stood for 30 years. So I'm just you know, looking back at that tournament. You had a one-stroke lead over Arnold Palmer going into the final round. He shoots 69. You shoot 67. Nicholas charges with, by matching your 64 in that final round. But what what was it like trying to win a major championship? You're you're sort of you know Jack Nicholas has a home game there, and you're mm-hmm. dueling with Arnold Palmer at the peak of uh, you know his popularity and the peak of his skills. Well, it, it was quite nice. I played with him, like I say, in the final round, Mr. Hogan. And Tom Beaport, it the crowds were just enormous there at Country uh, Columbus Country Club. Not only because it was Jack's backyard and him being the top one, of the top or the top player along with Arnold, but uh, it was just they to come out to watch Mr. Hogan because they knew that it would be a, he was downside of his career. But the people wanted to see him play. They loved they loved watching him, and the crowd, like I said, the crowds were enormous, and so. Uh, when we got through, uh, I was with Jack oh, maybe uh, a little while later, and he was talking with a group of people, and he says, you know, the ter- they were talking about the tournament at Columbus Country Club being such a huge crowd. And he said, it, yeah, he said it was. It was the biggest crowd we've ever had at any event, any golfing event. And he says, it gave me the ideal to build. He said, I think the city of Columbus needs another golf course so he gave him an idea to build Mirrorfield and uh, that's what he said he got the idea of playing Mirrorfield and uh, of course the rest of it's history I mean Mirrorfield's a beautiful place and uh, and he said uh, but the, the, the reason the idea that came about is because of the huge crowds that uh, the PGA brought to 64 so uh, that was quite nice. And Bobby you played on the Champions Tours, the Senior Tour, back when when you first started out. But you played on there for several mm-hmm. years, going starting all the way back in 1986. And you you actually won more money on that tour than you did on the regular <laughs> tour. What did it mean for you and players from your era to sort of get a second life, if you will, in golf? Well, it, it was it was wonderful. I mean, it, I remember uh, Doug Ford saying the, when the tour first started, the Senior Tour in 19, actually 78. It was the first event they had Jewish Boris. Uh, Art Wall, I think, and Roberto Davidson, so Sam Snead, Bob Goby, and Gardner Dickinson. There was about six or eight guys, and uh, they went to war- to New York and tried to get uh, TV. And uh, I think NBC was the one that came about with the said, "Well, we'll we'll uh, televise a couple of events or whatever." And this all started at Onion Creek and Austin, Texas. And by this, this actually got the senior tour started. It was such a huge success to see guys like Tommy Bolton, Art Wall, Sam Snead, Julius Boris, and all their names in the past that you'd read about. And to play it on their own TV, it was it was hilarious. I mean, fun time, and, and everybody had a good time. And and that's that's how the senior tour took off. And of course, everybody that, that uh, followed, they were very happy. I think it's been wonderful. For, Certainly for the senior players who uh, didn't and didn't get the money they make today, but at the same time it was a it was a little added bonus. Uh, Bobby, one more before I let you go. You were recognized 
as a hometown hero when the PGA Championship was played at Valhalla in 2014. Curious what it was like for you. What was it like being honored by your hometown city uh, as a hero, you know, at the, at a major event like that? Well, you know, at Louisville, uh, it's pretty fortunate having having a speaker of heroes like Muhammad Ali and Paul Horning and Pee Wee Reese and uh, uh, I mean, you just go on and on. Johnny Unitas went to University of Louisville. And guys that uh, may in the baseball Hall of Fame players, I can't recall who all were around the city of Kentucky. I mean, around the state of Kentucky. But uh, it was a huge honor, and I and I dwelled on that for days, thinking, man, how lucky you are, or how fortunate you are to have this honor bestowed upon you. So uh, it was pretty special. And uh, it, uh, along with Bear Bryant, I don't think there was anything that maybe uh thrilled me more than those couple of incidents well my wife i've been nancy's been i've been awful fortunate to have her she and uh she stuck by my side through the thick and thin stuff when those days when you didn't have much money but she stuck around and and uh stayed with me on the tour which wasn't much fun in those days as far as traveling was concerned but uh it worked out okay and uh well, it's just uh, again, I was uh, very, very honored and and excited, and uh, well, dishonored and it was surprised. I really was the to be get that honor from Louisville. Well, speaking of honors, it has been an incredible honor for me to have you back on the show with me this morning, Bobby. I can't thank you enough for for being here and and sharing your stories. I hope you'll come back again soon. There's so many other stories I'd love to get your your thoughts on and your insights on. So uh, it's been great having you here. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you for the kind words. Take care, Bobby. All the best to you and uh, and your family. I look forward to hopefully catching up with you again real soon. Great. Thank you, Chris. Again. Take care. That is okay. a PGA Tour legend Bobby Nichols. Wow, what an unbelievable guy he is. And the, the, the amazing things and the great players that he got to play with and, and against. And obviously, you know, winning that 64 PGA Championship is, is absolutely outstanding. Uh, you know, have him you know, as part of the show and, and talk about those sorts of things. Absolutely unbelievable. I can't thank Bobby Nichols enough for his time this morning. Hopefully, like I say, we get the privilege of having him back on the show again real soon. All right, before we get to my next guest, Eric Johnson, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Bobby Jones Company. Folks, cold, damp, windy days. Game changers, right? But you can beat the odds with Bobby Jones layers. From quarter-zip pullovers to super soft sweaters, they keep you feeling good and looking good, whether you're in the office or out on the golf course. Check out all of their great styles at bobbyjones.com. And plus, while you're on their site, you can watch playing lessons from Bobby Jones himself. And, folks, many of those lessons still hold true to today. So go to bobbyjones.com to see for yourself how great their apparel truly is. And while you're on their site, click on the equipment link to see the great line of drivers, fairway woods, and hybrids designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designers, Mr. Jesse Ortiz. And Jesse, like his father, Lou, and you know Bobby Jones himself, Jesse has a passion for golf and golf club design. You remember his great tri-wood medals, his fairway woods from his days back at Olimar. Well, now he's putting his creativity and his innovative designs to work creating great golf equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. Check it out online by clicking on the Equipment tab on bobbyjones.com or go directly there by going to bobbyjonesclubs.com. And if you happen to be looking for you know some great golf accessories, please check out our friends over at froggergolf.com. What a great array 
of products that they have, like their amphibian towel that won best new product at the PGA Merchandise Show back in 2009, or their catch latch technology that easily and securely attaches and releases, you know, your golf towel, hopefully your amphibian towel or your Brush Pro Club Cleaner to and from your golf bag. And they've got a lot of other great golf accessories for under $20. And their golf bag, folks, are tremendous. They're on sale right now, typically $169.99. Well, they take $100 off, so you can get one for only $69.99. I have one. I love it. I love the setup. All the storage compartments and, and the catch like tech the catch latch technology they've got it built right into their golf bags so that's fantastic so go online and see for yourself frogger froggergolf.com again froggergolf.com all right we'll get to my next guest eric johnson we'll do so on the other side of this station identification you're listening to next on the t with chris mascaro heard around the world on the armed forces radio network and now back with me in, in making his eighth appearance on the French Lick Resort guest line is Eric Johnson. Eric is the director of instruction at Nemacola Woodlands Resort, which is an unbelievable resort, folks, located up in Farmington, Pennsylvania, which is in the southeast part of the state, southeast of Pittsburgh, near the West Virginia border. Prior to moving over there, Eric was the director of instruction at Oakmont Country Club. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 teacher every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 teacher. He's a three-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year. He is also a two-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education. Eric played out on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, the Golden Bear Tour, and played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 1995. He helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. And, you know, as you can tell from the number of appearances that he's made with me here on the show, first of all, it's fantastic. And it's an honor that Eric has joined me that many times. And he's certainly one of my favorite all-time guests here on Next on the T. And I'm excited to have him back with me again this morning. Hey, Eric, how are you, my friend? Chris, the most prepared man in radio. I love talking to you. Holy cow, you brought up some some great memories there. Thanks for that introduction. That was that was great. I don't know how you come Absolutely. up with all this stuff. That's some of the stuff I forgot about. My goodness, man. <laughs> how so, are you doing? Let's start. I'm fantastic. Thank you, Eric. And I want to start there by some of your memories, right? Let's go back to your time at Mississippi State. Like I mentioned, you had team success your junior and senior year there at the Kroger Intercollegiate Tournament. Your teammate Ty Crawford won won twice in, in that season of 1994. He's still out there competing, you know, as an amateur out on the West Coast. But talk about your memories about being a Bulldog and some of the tournaments you guys won. Well, it was, you know, it was really fascinating. I came down, you know, to Mississippi State, and I talked to the coach and uh, Coach Barrett Smith. And this is a long time ago, so I'm allowed to talk about it now. But Coach hated Northerners, and he hated these guys from the PGM program. <laughs> and he's like, you know, everybody in the PGM program, oh, I can play, I'm great. You know, and he, he just got sick of us Northerners coming down there. And uh, so I, went, I won the walk-on tournament by a lot. And he uh, he had it tipped and tucked. I mean, it was the toughest golf course I'd played in my life. And he said, no one shot low enough. And so I and, – and he was leaving. He was leaving as I was, like, coming in with my scorecard. And the guys in the shop were like, yeah, he said no one shot low enough, so you're out. And I'm like, but wait a minute, I won by, like, six. And he's yeah, it, it doesn't matter. You know, so, so Baird's leaving as I was driving in. And honest to God, so he's – I started playing pretty well, and I won a bunch of the stuff at the PGM, you know, uh, you know, tournaments and and uh, 
and I I played in one day that Matt Pinner, our head professional, was like, how come you're not on the golf team? I said, I won the walk-on tournament. I don't know, coach. He was leaving before I even finished. And, uh, <laughs> and so the next day, I get a phone call, and I'm in my, you know, I'm in my apartment, and I get this call, and I'm like, hey, Eric, it's Barrett Smith, Mississippi State. And I said, yeah, okay, coach, yep, mm-hmm. I thought it was one of my pals busting my stones. And he goes, I want to, I want to play golf with you. I'd, I'd really like to, to see it. And I started listening to the voice. I'm like, holy cow, this is Baird. And I'm like, wow, I, I, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, stuttering all over myself. I couldn't get anything out. And he said, I want to, I want to see you play. I said, all right. So I met him at the golf course the next day at 3 o'clock. We drove over to the first tee. And it was busy, so he jumps in a cart, and he was the most impatient man I've ever seen in my life, and jumps in a cart and drives out to, you know, 15. I hit it right down the middle on the green, make an easy par. You know, 16, do the same thing. 17, the same thing. I've missed slip out for birdie. And coming down the 18th hole, I hit par five. You know, I drive it down the middle and hit it, you know, by the green. He said, hey, I'd love to have you on the team. You start next week. I said, all right, great. And that's how it went. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he was uh, – he was a piece of work, old Southern boy, and and uh, you know we we I I had limited success. I mean I took you know individually I my I guess my two best finishes were at the SEC championship. I tied for fifth and was fifth the one year and played with Brian Gay in the final round the SEC championship when he won, and that was a lot of fun. But our team did have some nice wins, and we had it was so funny the transformation. I mean Baird was this old Southern guy kind of beer drinker and then you know he got fired i guess it was in 93 and uh you know our team was kind of floundering and we had some had some lazy laziness on that team and and i you know i can say it now too this is 20 something years ago but one one time i mean it was a hilarious story one of the guys was turning 21 and we were in tampa and he's like guys i really don't want you going out you know it's his birthday. I'll take Eric. We'll go get you guys some beer. And why don't you guys stay in and play cards, you know, before the practice round. And I was like, okay, now let me get this straight. My coach has taken me to get some beer in a Mississippi State van, right? And so we, I go in, I get beer. I come out with three cases of beer. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, he wanted Coors Light. This guy wanted Bud Light. This guy, he's getting the van. <laughs> so we're, we're playing cards. True story. We're playing cards. Still bothers me to the to to this day bugs the heck out of me. I had four kings in a poker game, and we hear this knock on the door. You know, you know, and and we're like, Who, get the door. You know, and I'm I got four kings, and I've got a pile of money sitting in front of me. And and he goes, uh, and we open up the door. It's a coach. Hey, coach, come on in. You know, he's like, no, I'm not coming in. And who just went to the bathroom over the railing of this hotel? And Brant Searles was like, yeah, that was me, coach. He goes, well, you see the camera right here, you knucklehead? If you do that again, we're getting kicked out of here. And uh, <laughs> he goes, the card game's over. I said, coach, come on, I got a big hand, you can't. And he goes, no, no, it's over. <laughs> you know, so, so I didn't even get a chance to win. There was 150 bucks back, and then we all had our meal money out there, you know. Oh, my God, it was hilarious. So then we then we get then we get uh, Greg Martin comes in and, and he was going to be the enforcer. You know, we start running every day at 6 o'clock. And we had, I don't know, 13 guys on the team. And by after four months, we had seven. You know, we barely field a team. You know, he was getting weeding out people. And, and he was he had us running and doing everything. And, and he was a great coach, SEC Coach of the Year. And and uh, had some success under him. And, 
Oh, but it was some of those college days were hilarious. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I'm shocked we didn't get fired. You know, if, 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 and you know, think about it, how different it was. I mean, if someone had a phone and sees some college kid with right. three cases of beer getting into Mississippi State van, I'm sure he would have been fired immediately. But you know, it probably should have been anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, Eric, for our listeners. Who aren't familiar with where you're at today, Nemocolin Wood, Woodlands Resort, and it, it it truly is an amazing place, you know, from what I've seen on their website. Talk about the resort and the amenities that you guys have available up there. Well, the resort is amazing. It's incredible. The Hardy family has put together. It's an outdoor fantasy land from uh, Mystic Mountain. You know, I'm sitting here today, Chris. It's 60 degrees. It's January. If this is global warming, I want everyone to just keep their cars running at night in the driveway because this is great. I mean, this is, I love this. I mean, it's 60 degrees and Mystic Mountain. They're out. The kids are out. Uh, you know, skiing today. Uh, we have, you know, the Jeep experience. We have, you know, we have a an incredible array of of animals, lions and tigers, and and a, we have a white buffalo of all things. It's very, very rare and very spiritual to the Native Americans, and um, it, it, it's just an outdoor fantasy land. And I, you know, coming, I I shot over at the shooting academy, which is in the top five in the world. I've never seen anything like it. It's uh, so much fun out there shooting the Benellis and having a great time and shooting sporting clays. And my kids love it here. They can't get enough of this place. And I might have to get a second job to, to let them do all these activities, but it's it's phenomenal. I love it. And uh, very delighted to be working with Mike Jones, who's our director of golf. Came from Kapalua in Hawaii, and I know he was, you know, watching, you know, that. Uh, you know, he ran that tournament for the last 10 years, so – uh, you know, to see that on TV was awesome. And I knew once they had, once they hired Mike Jones, I realized Nemecolin was truly interested in being a player in the golf again. And, you know, to them, they thought 36 holes of championship golf would, you know, would make it a golf destination. And I, you know, I mean, I keep harping on this, but I think it's totally historic. Uh, you know, there has not been a golf course built in the Pittsburgh area for over 20 years. And you think that, you know, our owners put it in a huge investment into building another Pete Dye golf course called Shepherd's Rock. And it's it's magnificent. I played it. I played the front nine with the Hardy family. And and uh, <clears throat> it was so funny. I, I get an email saying, you know, Maggie wants to see me and, you know, wants to, you know, we sign off on the golf course. We got the architecture firm and, you know, we've got the contractors and and everybody the hardy family and pete and maggie and and everyone is there and they're like okay Eric, go back to the back tee and let's see it play the front nine we want to sign off on the golf course but we want to see where all the balls are landing and i'm like well okay but you gotta i haven't played good since 1996 i mean you gotta move out of the way here i mean <laughs> everyone's up front. i think mean, you gotta i you know this is scaring me i was nervous man i hadn't played you know like that in a long time and and, you know, I kind of high-righted the first one a little bit, but it stayed in the fairway, and I hit another one. I played great the whole rest of the day. I said a prayer to God. I said, please let me play good today and, and not kill Mr. Hardy because, Mr. Hardy, they drove him up onto the first tee, and, you know, and he's on a cart sitting in the first tee, and I'm like, holy cow, please don't shank this and kill Mr. Hardy. But it was it was a phenomenal experience to see it being built and to see, you know, how historic that is for, you know, when you think, in 20 years, there hasn't been a golf course 
that's been built. All you hear is them closing. You don't hear about them being built. And right. you know, to make that major investment in the golf, it's uh, and it was a very emotional decision leaving the Oakmont. You know, Oakmont's a magnificent place, but after being here for the last six months, I will never. I don't think I'd ever go back to a private private club. It's just so much fun up here, and I'm I'm loving it. I and and I even get paid, which is I I pinch myself every day. They pay me to do this. I <laughs> I can't believe it. You know, I just I'm I'm very very lucky. And for people you, you mentioned you mentioned Mr. Hardy a, a few times. For people who don't know who you're talking about, tell them who Mr. Hardy is. Yeah, Mr. Hardy was the uh, founder of eighty four lumber. Uh, company and it's wildly successful uh, company. Uh, I think revenue last year was uh, sales were three billion dollars, um, and you know it obviously had to go through some, you know, uh, crazy times. I mean, even the housing crisis in '08, and we've come through it. We streamlined. We we got more efficient, and it's an amazing company. He's 94, turned 94 last week, and I see him 20 times a day. And he drives around the resort, and his his house is right off of the range here, and at Nemecolon. And you know his house is a is a five iron away from 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 my my teaching building. And I see him. He drives around the resort, <clears throat> and goes around, checks everything out. He's meticulous on the details. I mean, he'll drive by and I say, "Hey, this tree looks like it's you know." It's not healthy, so let's get rid of this. Or let's, hey, there's something wrong here. This doesn't look, you know, clean enough. Or let's clean up this area of the resort. It's just, he's amazing. I, 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 every time I'm around him, he's got the most infectious personality you'll ever see. I mean, he's gregarious. He's reminds me a little bit of Trump. He says kind of whatever he wants, and uh, the similarities there. It's, it's amazing. He, he is an awesome hilarious the stories that he tells are amazing we had uh, uh sully sullenberger in for 84 lumber and he did a, a speech for us for our you know executives and uh and it was a team building exercise and and mr hardy started telling his stories about how when he was a pilot and he you know he said i went to get on this plane and they had shut the door and they wouldn't let me on and 90 days later i had my pilot's license you know and he bought a plane and <laughs> he's flying around and, and he goes oh my he, and it was so funny so he's sitting there and he goes this joker over here he all mine were pilot errors his were his were not pilot errors you know and he's talking about he ran out of gas and you know had a couple of drinks he thought this whole drinking and flying thing was bull and he's <laughs> he had a couple of drinks and he's he got up there and he goes it was harder than i thought you know i mean the guy is hilarious you know and 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 to hear a 94 year old this gentleman telling hilarious stories uh it, it was it, 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 you can't make it up you know he's 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 something <laughs> and now his his daughter maggie hardy has taken over the show and taken over uh uh, 84 Lumber, and is also our, you know, president CEO of of, of Nemecol and Woodlands, and and she is just like her father. Uh, she's she's not afraid of a fight. She is going to take it. You know, I mean, think about a lumber company, all these and self-proclaimed rednecks. I mean, in the lumber business, and she'll take every one of them on, and she's not afraid of any of them. I, I, I mean, she is awesome. I, I love her her. Uh, her leadership. Yeah, it's amazing. 
Eric, let's let's walk around the the PGA Tour a little bit. And you know, you talked about Kapalua a moment ago, and you know, Justin Thomas, you know, has dominated you know over the last couple of weeks, and uh, he became obviously the youngest player by far to record a 59 at the at the Sony Open last week. Kevin Kisner, he misses a nine footer on the last hole, and he would have joined him at 59. Chev Revy, you know, flirted with it for a minute as yep. well. So, and, and in total last week, Eric. So we saw a 59, we saw a 60. There were two 61s, two 62s, and four 63s. So, so maybe you say, well, maybe the course, you know, was set up too easy, or the playing conditions were just perfect that week. But you know, Jim Furyk, local Pittsburgh Pittsburgh boy, right? He shot 59 or 58 last fall. He had a 59 a few years prior to that. So, do you think last week was just an anomaly because of the course and the setup, or, or are we really starting to see that equipment and technology are starting to race far ahead? you know, of golf courses and, you know, any, you know, the only thing we're going to be able to left to be left to do here before long is, you know, trick up the golf courses. Well, I think it's a, it's a really hard question. I think it's a combination of, of all of them, uh, all of those factors. I think the equipment's getting so good. I think that the, the, you know, the fitness levels, I think the, you know, when you see them chart a green and I'll never forget it, you know I mean? And, Oh seven, when Phil was there uh, for the U.S. Open at Oakmont, they went out and spent the whole day charting the greens. And he and Dave Pels and Eddie Pels and and Bones were out there, and they they charted every single slope. And they put, you know, they get this. It took them all day, and you know, they charted out where they thought it. They'd put the slope, and they'd put the, uh, you know, three degrees, you know, to the left, and then they'd they'd stint meter it, and they'd say, well, this is 13.2 because it's downhill. I mean, they had way too many calculations. I think that's why he was missing a lot of short ones. Um, that personally, and and his speed was terrible on those short putts. But I think that he was getting so into the numbers and the science of it instead of just hitting it into the hole. Uh, but and then now in 2016, they put this, you know, saucer-looking thing over the green, and it gives you exact you know, degrees of, you know, 3.2 degrees slope here and, and it breaks to the left and, and, and they chart everything out and the players are looking at these things. And, and I think that the golf course, I mean, you know, when you look at, uh, the Hawaiian golf courses, I mean, Kapalua, it's, it's, you know, when you get the winds right, you can really take that place apart. And, you know, when they played, uh, the next week, I mean, Justin Thomas shooting 59, <clears throat> and uh what's his name scuba man who uh fell into the water during the uh the president's cup or Ryder cup he had 59 too didn't he on the uh-huh. on the uh on the champions tour um right or that uh, four tour challenge whatever they call it that uh yeah you know so I mean, when you're hitting par fives into eight irons um you know maybe the golf course is not a par 72 um you know people always say but you know heck al Geiber in memphis he shot 59 and and that was in the 70s, I think. And uh, so it's a number that, that the guys have been flirting around with. I, I think it was a little bit of a anomaly how the golf course was a little easy. Uh, there was no wind. It was in perfect condition. You know, you get a player that's on a roll like that, and they're making everything. You know, I mean, I think it comes down to their proximity to the hole, and they're just making everything anymore. The great players, and they're hitting it so far that, you know, if you got a 520-yard par five, these guys are hitting eight iron into it, you know, and and that used to be a good driver in a three wood. So there probably could be some technology, you know, answers and fitness things, and but you know, again, the fitness thing could be could be part of the reason that that we're hurting. Some of the guys are hurting themselves. Uh, 
Exactly. It's hard to say. You know, I mean, when when you when you look at Tiger and um, Rory and Jason Day, they're all hurt, and those guys are not small guys. They are. They look like tight ends in football. I mean, they are. Their 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 bodies are incredibly fit. Now <clears throat> we can tell you this. I can't tell you this. If you think about it, and you have a line from your straight line across your shoulders and a straight line across your hips, and when you start putting bend in it and you triangulate that bend onto the body that's where you're going to hurt yourself and that's exactly where these guys keep getting injured so some people might say well they're swinging it so hard well this fitness is 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 keeping me from getting hurt well the other side of that is that well maybe that is making your injury worse because you are so fit and you're tearing a tougher and a stronger muscle so i I think maybe we're going a little overboard on some of the fitness. Um, and, you know, look at the three, you know, best players, some of the three of the best players in the world, they're on the sidelines. So I don't know. You know, I mean, it's it, you're swinging a, you know, a golf club at 125 miles an hour, 128 miles an hour. And you're, and you, you, when you triangulate that, you know, those lines onto the body, it basically shows you exactly where you're going to get injured. And, you know, but again, you know, if someone said that if I go up to Jason Day and said, listen, okay, instead of hitting at 340, you're going to hit at 310. Now, you're only going to make a million and a half dollars instead of the five million that you're going to make if you hit at 340. Because we know that the driving statistics equate to the longest of the long, there's not a real bunter up on the top of the top 15, 20 players in the world. I mean, you might say that Zach Johnson, but still he's popping it out there, you know, flying at 270 and hitting at 300 with some rolls. So that 300 is not short. Um, but you look at all those guys, and driving distance, I don't care how you want to argue this with anyone, driving distance equates to wins. It, 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 it counts to how much money you make. And then you say, well, it's approximately the whole. Okay, I get it. But if you hit it 340 off the tee and I hit it 280 off the tee, you're hitting six club different into the green. You're going to beat me almost every time. <clears throat> and that's how it is. And and so these guys have and so they're not going to they're not going to back down. If there's some move that can get them 20 extra yards, they're they're not going to they're not going to not swing it that hard. They they're always going to do it. And and they might know they're going to get injured at some point, but I think the money is just so good. They this listen. If I get ten years of making, you know, five million bucks, I, you know, that's fifty million. That's a heck of a career. You you can retire and buy an island for that, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, so I don't think I don't think they're thinking longevity. I think they're how much money can I get in the bank and how fast can I do it? Yeah, and I guess that you know, I guess that would be the the opposite argument, though, Eric. You know, it's longevity, right? You know, well, yeah, I, I might win, you know, over a five-year stretch, right? And, we, you know, who knows, you know, how good Jason Day is going to be for how long he's going to be. And Tiger Woods, obviously, is an exception, right? Tiger has been great forever. But, you know, if you're if you're a Jason Day and you're, you know, essentially one swing away from going to your knees because your back is hurting, yeah, you were number one in the world and you, and you did it for, uh, you know, a year or two. But if that precludes you from being able to play at a high level, in years four, five, et cetera, et cetera. How much have you really done for yourself? And I, now you're not as, you know, if he turns out to be not competitive in the long term. 
I I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's wise. I mean, you know, I think it's funny. Like guys like Boo Weekly said, you know, hey, as soon as I have ten million in the bank, you're never going to see me. All I'm going to do is fish. You know, I mean, there's different there's different philosophies yeah. to these guys. You know, I mean, it, it it's hard to it's hard to say what in the world. You know, so what 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 makes Tiger what makes Tiger want to get up out of bed? You're worth let's say a billion five hundred million, whatever it is. And you've won 14 majors. You won 80 something times. You had 12, 13 surgeries. Now, what makes you get out of bed? You know, what I mean, you've got enough to your grandkids and your grandkids' kids are going to have money. I mean, it, what is what is charging you to keep going? You know, like Bernard Langer, I, he is amazing. He's a timeless, yes, he ageless wonder. I've never seen, but I I can't <clears throat> for the life of me. You know, I'm kind of one of those guys, like, as soon as I have enough money in the bank, you're probably never going to see me teaching again unless it's my kids. And I love what I'm doing, but there's other things that I want to do in life. And and you know what? I'll probably be on the tee till I'm 85, and, you know, I hope I am And because I just enjoy it. That's what I said in the beginning. I, You know, I, I'm doing what I love to do, and, and I'm getting paid to do it. It's, it's an amazing concept. But, um, you know, what drives these guys, you know, and – to see Bernard Langer out there still winning championships at 60 years old. It's amazing. Incredible. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to determine what, what's, what's the mindset of the player. And Eric, you know, when, whenever we turn the calendar to a new <clears throat> year, we all start to, you know, look ahead to, you know, the masters and, and, uh, you know, I was reading Jordan Spieth has already, you know, gone there a couple of times to try to erase mm-hmm. the demons from last year to kind of get his confidence back, particularly, you know, at the 12th. Well, he played a couple of rounds there I, I saw in December and he said he was nervous when he got to the 12th tee for the first time. But he said he birdied it both times that, that he played it and, to, you know, erase those demons. But, you know, curious to get your thought, you know, is when 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 he goes back, you know, you know, and it re- it's really tournament time, right? He was out there with with some corporate yep. sponsors and whatnot, yep. so it's not a, the pressure wasn't turned <clears> on. <throat> but when it is, right? Particularly, you know, if he's in and around the lead on Sunday, what do you what do you expect to see from him? You know, this April. Well, you know, I don't think that he's had that great at last year. I mean, when you really look at it from what he did the previous year and. Um, and you know, I mean, he was so good the year before that, you know, I I just don't know. I mean, scar tissue is a funny thing to, to deal with. Uh, there are holes that I played in my career and they keep me up at night and and there, trust me, there's demons in everybody's mind. Now I tell you what, when I played the first, when I played Augusta for the first time and it's, it's incredible. It's, it's even better than you would think it is. And that's, I mean, and, and most of us, that's our Augusta. I mean, that's it. And and the golf yep. course is better than you can even imagine when you're playing it. And I got up on to the 12th hole. It's an easy, it's an, I, okay, let me rephrase that. It's a nine iron. It's an eight iron, right? It's not, it's not a hard hole, but I'm telling you, my butt clenched up when I got on there. I actually stepped back off and did a little, whoo, okay, let's reset and let's do this, you know? <laughs> and and I'm not kidding. I'm playing with, you know, three amateurs, and we're just, you know, flew down, and, and, and Mr. Usher just playing and, and and played, and then we played the next day. And, and I'm telling you, it's a scary shot. And, you know, it, it's funny how it's funny how pressure exposes our – and it's it's true with everything – Pressure exposes your weakest link. I don't care if it's a a pipe or a chain or your mind. 
you know, what, whatever, whatever, what's missing there? I don't know. I mean, he, you know, he kind of, you know, we saw um, Rory have his meltdown there. We saw Jordan kind of melt down a little bit. And uh, that was very, very odd, that one. But I'll tell you what, even in that tournament, he never, ever, ever, ever looked comfortable the whole week. He was always like, you know, fidgeting and, you know, they're going back and forth. He's caddy. Okay. So one thirty two is one thirty one. You know what I mean? He never looked comfortable. So, and Tiger never, ever, ever looked like that. You know, Tiger would step up and he'd commit to the shot and, you know, something happened. He'd stop a swing, which I don't know how the heck he ever did that. I don't know if that was staged or what. I've never seen anybody be able to do that. I don't know how he could do it, but it, you know, I mean, you know, Tiger looked like he was full, 100% full bore committed to every single shot he ever hit. All the way back when he won in, uh, what is it, uh, 96, the Canadian Open. He's in the bunker. He's got 218. The guys are, oh, he's got 218. He's going to lay it up here. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, he's lining up the hole. What is it? Boom, six iron right on the green. And makes the birdie. <laughs> you know, like, he didn't look like he cared to win or he didn't fear failure or success. And if you think about it, the mindset that that I try to keep, teach all the kids that come here is you can't fear success or failure. It's not an option. We we cannot have an option of fearing success or failure. And you don't worry about what you're going to say in the paper. You win the tournament and then you talk about it. You know, and 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 and, and I just don't think that he had that and I still, you know, he always looks a little jumpy to me. And he's such a great player. I don't know how he could, he could, you know, not trust himself enough to, to, to play a little more freely. I, that's just my thought. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think he's an awesome guy. I think he's a. I met him at Oakmont. He's a really magnificent kid. And, uh, you know, we're seeing some amazing golf from some young guys. And I, uh, some of it's a little unorthodox. You know, when you. Uh, Justin Thomas is a little unorthodox what we're seeing, and I would worry about his back in the long run, uh, especially if you do that triangulation move with how far down his his right shoulder goes and how vertical his feet are going. There's going to be an injury there at some point, especially as how hard the kid's hitting it. Um, so you 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 know, but it's hard to it's hard to and and you know what if tiger would have if tiger would have just listened to this statement it's really hard and it doesn't make a lot of sense to to manipulate with success if something's giving you tremendous yeah. success why in hell are you going to change that you know why did he in his quest for greatness why did he change four times tiger please you know and, and <laughs> you know it, it, it bugs me to this day, you know. Yeah. And and but we'll never know. And you know what? He might have had his own. You know, we, listen. I can't get in his. I'm not in his shoes. But I can just tell you, I wouldn't. I would not have changed something that had won me as in tournament and had so. Right. You win an open. You win an open by 15 and a British by 12. And you're going to tell me I got to change to get better? Please, nonsense. <laughs> And Eric, you, you talk about mindset, right? And, and and you know we all face adversity at at some point, typically in the course of our rounds. And, and from that mental side of the game, when you're working with players, right? What are some of the things that you tell them to do if you if you're com- you're coming off a bad hole, you're coming off a bad swing? How do you how do you prevent that from compounding itself and you know having you know two bad holes or five bad holes, and then you know trying to get yourself back in the right frame of mind and move forward? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's a number that you put on a scorecard. And I'll never forget it. I had shot 64 at the TaylorMade Invitational. I go up to Jim Flick. I've been working with Flickster. And I said, Coach, I had 64. And he hit me in the butt. And he said, good round. It's been done before. Now go do it again. And here I'm thinking we're going to go use champagne, have a big dinner. You know, and he's like, you know. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened there? <laughs> you know, and and, <laughs> and and I was like, I was stunned. You know, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, I guess it, yeah. And and at the end of the day, you put it on there, and you know, we're so fragile, we're so fragile. We were we missed a three footer. Oh my God, now I got another three footer. What if I miss? That's fear of failure. You can't even think like that. You have to have a bulletproof mind. You have to have the mindset that anything that you do, it's like water off a duck's back. I've said this about Bobby Friend. I've never met anyone. And he's a great guy to have on the show. He's entertaining. He's not afraid to tell you anything, and he probably talks more than I, I do. Many but, times. Oh my God, he talks more than I do. I, I swear to God, as college roommates, <laughs> you're still probably bleeding. But you know, he, uh, you know, he has this mentality and mindset that he's, you know, it's just he's going to make it. He's going to do this. And and I've said this. If you said that, you know, how many times do you think you could beat, you know, uh, Rory down at Pikewood, you know, where he was from, he'd say, uh, you know, nine, nine, probably nine, maybe 10, you know, I get him because I know the golf course. And that's like, you know, snowball's chance in hell to beat him once. And, but I just think that he just has that mindset that he's not going to let, he's not going to let, he's not going to stop. He's not going to uh, let into the pressure. You know, he just, you have to have the mindset. It's a bulletproof mindset and it's not fearing success or failure. You know, you can't be worried if you're going to miss a putt or miss a shot. You know, you just got to play the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bob is great. Yeah, I've, I've been blessed to have him on the show many times. And, yep. yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's, he's a treat to be able to talk to. Eric, one more before we let you go, right? You know, we're both Steelers fans. I'm a little nervous, oh, a little anxious about yeah. tomorrow night. What, what what do you think? What do we got to do to come away with a win? Well, you know, we need Bell, Brown, and Ben the three B's to, to really step up. I mean, Antonio Brown is the greatest receiver. You know, I was at the game. You saw that Facebook post and I it was freezing my minus 10 wind chill down there. It was so cold at the last Steeler game home game. But, uh, um, you know, those guys are unbelievable. I've never seen a, a team that relies so much on three great guys. And, and, you know, the whole, the whole t- team is awesome. I mean, James Harrison, a savage, uh, you know, I mean, he scares me and I'm sitting in the stands, you know, I, <laughs> the, I'm, I'm not kidding. We were, we had, we had sideline passes one time and the linebackers are doing their warm up drill. And my, my seven year old goes, Hey dad, can I tackle Mr. Harrison? I said, I don't think you really want to do that, son. He might eat you, <laughs> but I, you know, I, uh, yeah, no. It's not a good idea, but it, it, you know the defense is magnificent. I think we got a, I think we got a Blitzberg. You know, I think we got to make Tom Brady know that James Harrison is ready to say hello to him. You know, and yeah. uh, and I really think that's, uh, I think that's what we need to do to win. You know, it, if Antonio Brown has a great game and and Le'Veon Bell, I think we're in it. Yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm with you. Obviously, everyone's going to have to play well to to beat everybody, the, the whole team, beat Tom Brady. Yeah, we got, everyone's got to be on. Ben's got to be better than he's been over the last several weeks. And, and I think the key to the game, as you point out, is Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell goes for 100-plus, then I think uh, I think they got a really good chance to uh, – Yeah, to I see our team battling the flu here too. So Yeah, I hate that. But Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be good. It'll be a great game. Eric, before we let you go, remind our listeners about your website and how they can uh, you know keep track of the great things that you're doing over social media. 
Well, it's ericjohnsongolf.com, and that's uh, my website. And then it's Nemecolon Woodlands, nemecolon.com, and you can check us out there. And, you know, I, I, I don't tweet much. I need to do that. And uh, But it's Eric Johnson Golf, and you can follow me, and I'll, I start, I promise I'll start putting some more stuff out there. But, you know, Chris, thanks for having me. And I just really want to say, you know, God bless our troops, and anyone who threatens the United States of America meet, needs to meet their creator. I, and, and you know, I, I don't want to get political, but I think we got a president that thinks that in a way, too. So God bless you guys out there. Shoot straight. Ah, thank you very much for that, Eric. It is, uh, it's always such a great time to get to spend some time with you uh, on the show. I can't thank you enough for, for making time for us and coming back on the show this week. Hopefully we get the opportunity to catch up with you again real soon. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me, buddy. The most prepared man in radio right there, Chris Mascaro. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. Take care, Eric. Thank you very Talk much. Talk to you, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, man. That is uh, Top 100 Instructor Eric Johnson with us, and always uh, such, a, such a fun time getting to spend uh, you know part of my morning with Eric. All right, folks, time for us to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. But, you know, before we close up shop, we'd like to continue to remind you about our good friend and uh, PGA Pro Jim Estes and all the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. They are doing such wonderful things. We can't thank Jim and the Salute Military Golf Association enough for what they're doing for our, our wounded veterans. Let's, uh, let's hear a word from Jim. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org, smga.org. Yeah, folks, please take a look at the Salute Military Golf Association for all the wonderful things that they are doing for our wounded veterans out there. And to Jim's point, check them out online. It's smga.org. All right, everyone, my sincere thanks to Bobby Nichols and to Eric Johnson for making today's show a lot of fun for me to be a part of. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. I want to please remind you to check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusha. And that show airs live from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live via Blog Talk Radio. It's also available on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And you can find it you know, as a free podcast over at our good friends. You heard me talk about it at the top of the show, Podbean. What, what great folks they are. And they've been so supportive of us on both shows here, Next on the T and Thursday Night Tailgate. You can also find both shows on iHeartRadio as well. Over on Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends that are sharing their stories about their playing days and sharing their insights and thoughts into today's game as well. We also highlight two players doing great things in their communities and our spotlight on the positive segment. We hear so much about all the negative things 
that uh, the players get involved with. Well, you know what? 99% of the guys are out there doing great things, and we try to highlight two every single week. So you can hear about those things. Typically, the media ignores those sorts of things, or maybe you can find it if you search real hard. Well, we try to bring those things right up there on the front table for you. So our Thursday night tailgate spotlight on the positive, and uh, we hope you'll join us on that show as well. Both shows, folks, we've got Facebook pages. We hope you'll give us a like. That's very important to us. You'll find next on the Tea with Chris Mascaro and Thursday Night Tailgate. We've got pages there on Facebook. Uh, and you can find both shows online. We've got our websites, nextonthetea.net for this show and thursdaynighttailgate.com as well. So you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free on either one of those sites or on Podbean, and you can stay up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be as well. Thanks again, folks, for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you got a thousand choices, a million choices for shows and podcasts to take a listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit him straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories Join us the same time every Saturday To hear more stories about the game we love From the people who love sharing those stories with you It's all about the great game of golf It's all about the great game of golf